0: hey everybody welcome to BeautyCast networks mastering beauty a podcast for beauty barbary and wellness professionals looking for successful sustainable and satisfying careers every sunday we feature brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics i'm gordon miller ceo of Beautycast network and your podcast host and today we are talking to one of the industry's most passionate financially focused educators and coaches she's the founder of the beauty finance group and the Senior Director of Education and creative for Ulta Beauty, the most fabulous, and returning guest, I have to say, returning guest, Anna Manukian. I'm so excited to
1: be back. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Welcome back, Anna. Before I have to say to the audience, if you missed it, be sure to go back to episode number 25 to hear Anna's kind of intro of sorts to financial literacy, best practices, some really great best advice on just your career big picture. Um, and um, yeah, good stuff. So I am excited to to continue this conversation, Anna.
1: Thank you, me too. We've got a lot more to talk about.
0: We do, and i and I I actually want to start kind of where we left off. you know, we were just getting ready to be done, and we kind of went back to, I don't know kind of the center for you, which is Ulta. And, you know you were talking about of course money and finance and how important it is and and you made a comment about and I'm gonna let you kind of finish my line, but you, you mentioned that 800 just under 800 stylists had hit a benchmark. I'm going to, I should I should do a drum roll <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you pick up on it.
1: It's a big deal. So you know, we're just finished off twenty twenty four or twenty twenty three rather, and we had almost eight hundred stylists hit a hundred thousand uh, dollars in behind the chair service sales, and we had one hit almost half a million dollars. We had couple hit three hundred, two hundred. So you know, when you think about getting you know seventy percent commission and getting full benefits and getting. All of the, you know, paid vacations and bonuses and all of those things, it's really, uh, you know, I think sometimes can be the industry's best hidden secret of the incredible career that you can have um, at an Alta B1.
0: There's no doubt. And, you know, Alta is one of the most prominent and, and one of the largest employers in the industry. And, you know, I think sometimes you're right. In spite of that, you know, I think often it gets looked over. You know, I, I just think people and not Ulta specifically, but just larger organizations. And I think um that commission number is is like staggeringly impressive. You know, you put that 70% and then all those benefits. And you know, as an industry that has that is kind of known as entrepreneurial and and you know, people have the opportunity to be independent, you know, there's there's a lot to be said as someone who's been employed my entire life, um, to finding great employers, great coaches, great team leaders within an organization, offer you benefits, offer you security, and offer you that great commission. I mean, and I'm just saying it because I believe it. Um, what a great opportunity. So I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here to talk not only about Ulta, but but all the other stuff we're going to talk about.
1: Absolutely. Me too. So happy to be back. Oh,
0: where to start? I I, I think as, as we spoke, just as we we're getting ready to start fundamentals. And, and we, for the audience, you know, again, Anna has this passion for financial literacy and, and all the stuff that goes with it. It is one of the probably biggest holes, I think, in so many people's competencies, you know, understanding. And it's just not a beauty thing. It's kind of a, a human thing.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. And you know, my where my passion for financial literacy comes from is for the desire for our industry, for the desire for our, you know, our craft, our trade to be taken more seriously. And I know I'm not alone in when I told my parents that I was going to beauty school. They, it wasn't met with applause and it wasn't met with enthusiasm. It was met mm-hmm. with, what are you doing? What mm-hmm. you how are you going to make a living? And how are you going to support yourself? And, you know, that was a very long time ago. That was almost 25, 26 years ago. And, you know, like most people listening to this, I didn't grow up learning about financial literacy. I didn't grow up learning about how money works. And, you know, I know we had this conversation initially. I came from an immigrant household where, If you had food for and money for today and if you had rent, that was considered to be a successful month. There was nothing, no talk of retirement. There was not even a knowledge of what happens after you're no longer physically working. And when we look at the numbers across the U.S., not only as an industry, but as a collective, you know, working population of the United States, we're in a retirement crisis. And the challenge is, Gordon, is that our industry does such an amazing job of teaching about haircut techniques, color techniques, how to take care of the guests and everything else. And we don't spend enough time learning of how to financially properly take care of ourselves. And even as again, in the US as a whole, only, I want to say only 27 states currently require or mandate financial education. And so, you know, it's not just the beauty industry problem. It's a collective problem, but it's exaggerated in the beauty industry because we aren't taught to think of ourselves as good at math, as good at numbers. We're taught that we're creative. We're going to be, you know, uh, making the world a more beautiful place. But nowhere in that is, okay, but let's really talk about how do we continue to take care of ourselves when we're not taking care of our guests.
0: And, you know, I think different than so many other really professions, you know, and I think there's something very unique about this profession. And that is that we are the beneficiaries of, of I would say, the gratitude of, of so many clients who provide tips. And tips is an add-on income that comes to us in different ways. You know, most Americans get a paycheck and that's it right? And, and, and so tips as another dynamic, because whether it's cash or whether it's on a credit card, it's just another layer of income. I don't think we often think about it when we think about how much money we earn, that we've kind of added it to have a kind of recognition. But also, I just know too many people who said to me over the years, I wish I understood money sooner, because had I just simply managed my tip income in a different way, I'd be in a whole different place in life.
1: Absolutely. Well, there's a whole number of you know six dollars and seventy cents a day, right? I don't know if you've heard me talk about that before, but six dollars over six dollars and seventy cents a day over thirty years is almost half a million dollars if wow. it's invested and compounded. Say and that so
0: they, one, more, one
1: more time. <laughs> six dollars and seventy cents a day over ten years at a ten percent annual return, which you know S and P five hundred will happily give you, um, that equals just under five hundred thousand dollars. And once we know how. The cents and the small dollars, you know, grow into the hundreds of thousands of dollars when they are compounded when we're actually using that money to make more money. Um, it's really shocking. And the number one comment that I hear is, oh my God, I wish I knew this 20 years ago, similar to what you just said. And so what I'm so excited to have the conversation with you about for your listeners that are, you know, maybe in the earlier part of their careers is the future is yours. Learn what you need to now so you can continue to really thrive and have options in the future. So you can work as long as you want to, not because you continue have to working into your 70s and beyond. It's you're you're able to make the change now, which is exciting.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So so we're gonna talk kind of fundamentals, you know, kind of building blocks, I guess, of, of an understanding of finance, of money, you know, and, and 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 what it can mean, you know, for a person in this profession. So maybe just starting like, like some of the building blocks. If we talk about the fundamentals of finance. Where do you want to take
1: us? The key fundamental of finance, actually, I think if you look into the four building blocks, um, you know, the very first thing you have to understand, especially in an industry where your financial opportunity is directly tied to your physical ability. Mm -hmm. You hurt your hand, you're no longer working. If you break, you know, your leg, you're no longer working. And so, understanding how protection works is at the base of the financial foundation. And while you know, disability insurance and long term care insurance and all those things aren't the sexiest topics to think about. The reality is, is that any proper financial planner that you go to, one of the first questions they're going to ask you is to make sure that your assets and your ability to make a living should something happen is properly protected. So understanding protection, especially in this industry, is absolutely key. Then we really have to learn about how is it that we manage debt? Because you know, the minute that you turn 18, the credit cards start coming and we are not taught how quickly debt compounds and works against us. You know, one of the examples that I always use is, you know, Gordon, have you ever gotten like, do you have credit cards? Yes. Okay, So have you ever gotten a statement and you're like, you take a close look at your statement and it may be like, okay, let's just say it's, you know, $1,300 and that $1,300 is going to take you like four years to pay off if you pay the minimum. And it's going to be like $7,000 by the time that you're done paying it. And you're like, Wait a minute, This math isn't mapping. How is this working? That's a really key example of how money compounds against you, right? So your debt is making debt and that's how credit cards make millions and millions of dollars off of. Off of their clients. So understanding a key fundamental of how do you manage debt? How do you get out of it? Is there a method outside of going to, you know, a debt payoff plan that's something like the avalanche method or the snowball method, for example, where you can have a monthly budget that you don't have to ruin your credit for that will give you a personal payoff plan that you can personally manage without having to pay somebody else to do it and really circumvent the amount of interest that your credit cards are are earning against you. So again, looking at budgeting and managing debt is another key key building block of long-term success. The third one and it might be, you know, a little bit of a of an obvious one, but it's understanding the difference between like your savings in your retirement accounts and your actual emergency fund. Because the reality is is that when we look at Okay, um, what are considered emergencies? You know, emergencies aren't always catastrophic life events. It's, you know, I was driving on the freeway, and my tire blew, and now I have, you know, to spend $700 I don't have on new tires. And that now that maybe puts you in a cycle of debt that you had just paid off. Or it's, you know, being unprepared for just the expenses that always come up. So having that little slush fund for emergencies, because they always happen in life is a very important thing and that again it is separate than your savings it is separate than your retirement accounts
0: most people in this industry if you're not working you don't have money coming in and we have an industry that's predominantly female we have a lot of families you know situations and i speak so often to professionals across every age and generation who did have that emergency because they had a sick child and they were two weeks two weeks of no income can be a crisis for some of us um, right now, half my friends are down with COVID or the flu and and they're down for two, three weeks sometimes. And again, for many people on our industry, there's no income. So I just want to reinforce that and get your response to it, because I think emergencies are more common than we realize in our lives.
1: Oh, absolutely. And again, it doesn't have to be a huge catastrophic event, but it is, um, it is having, you know, the recommended amount, which, you know, living in California and in some of the higher incomes or higher, uh, price states, I'm like, okay, nice try. How do you have six months or 12 months, right? If you're a single individual, the recommended amount of, by, uh, you know, to have is actually 12 months of living expenses, 12 months. If you're in a two income household, the recommended amount is six months of, of income expenses and, you know, or of lifestyle expenses. And while that may seem like an overwhelming number, get yourself to a week, get yourself to two weeks. Get yourself to three weeks, build it up to a month. Because the reality is, to your point, if we're not working physically, we're not making money. So don't let the cycle of um, of of those unexpected expenses again spiral you back into debt or completely knock everything down that you've been building. And again, that's why you know, kind of the fun, the way that the building blocks are spoken about is so important. Because if you don't have proper protection, again, a bit more of a of a serious emergency will completely wipe out everything that you worked hard for. If you, the other question that comes up is, okay, well, do I get out of debt first or do I try to build up my emergency fund first? Which one is the, you know, the mouth to feed first? And the reality is, is that you have to manage your expenses in a way that you can have a debt payoff plan. Again, have your monthly budget, but make sure that you're planning some saving for your emergency fund, even if you're actively paying off debt. Because what happens when, There's an emergency and you don't have an emergency fund, you're going to go right back to debt, right? So it's something that we continuously have to keep top of mind. And then the last one that seems to be the most exciting, right, is investments. Investments are the fourth building block, but they are not the foundation. They're not one of the key most important ones. It's something that, you know, you have to look at, how do I now start to really grow my money? But first, we've got to make sure that what we have is properly protected.
0: It's a lot. I think for most of us, it's a very confusing category of life, and related to a lot of what you talked about. Whether it's credit card, whether it's income protection slash insurance, whether it's taxes, I, I feel that the things that we hear on television that come across to us media, it always feels like there's a lot of um, misinformation and and kind of um, I don't want to say scammers, but you know, there's just a lot of stuff out there trying to take advantage of people. Especially when it comes to like credit cards with really high interest rates, and people aren't aware of the fees, you know, insurance programs that aren't really insurance, you know, that, that get people sometimes in trouble. They thought they had good the protection and they didn't. So, in how do you think about that? Like just finding yourself to trusted sources of information. Number one, you're a great one in the beauty industry, um, and and also the good products. Like how do you how do you vet stuff?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's two key things is do your own research, right? Get familiar with the fine prints. And I know that I'm, you know, many of you are listening and cringing hearing that, but it's you you have to know what you're buying. Anytime you're spending money on anything, you are whether it's an investment, whether it's an insurance policy, you are actively buying something. So understand what it does before signing up for that monthly payment. Um You know, anytime you're talking to a financial professional, whether it's somebody that's helping you invest, whether it's an insurance salesperson, whoever it is, you have to be clear with what their fiduciary responsibility is, because the reality is, is that in most finance uh, licenses, they do not have to do what is in the best uh, interest of the client. An actual fiduciary is the only accreditation that has to do what is in the best interest of the client. So that's also something that's really important to know. And that's why I'm so passionate, Gordon, about, you know, the education side of of personal finance and and how money works and how insurance policies work so that our industry knows what questions to even ask. Because how many times have, you know, you or I both went to do something and you're like, I didn't even know that I didn't know that. And then you wind up getting something that is, you know, not the right fit for you or you you don't even have enough of a baseline understanding to ask the questions. And then oftentimes we are taken advantage of and sold in you know, products that don't serve us. So know what questions to ask. You know, what does this policy specifically, what does this policy cover? What does it not cover? What is the waiting period? When will I be able to use this? What is the intention for this investment? And really asking some of those heart hitting questions, um, so that you are able to be in charge of your personal journey. Because again, there are a lot of people who will who stand to benefit from you not knowing.
0: What about the idea of? of- being informed about what happens if I want to get out of something. You know, there's a lot of penalties on some of these products. And a lot of times, again, it's that fine print that we don't know about. And all of a sudden, we need to do something. Life shifts a little bit. And oh, my gosh, we're we're finding ourselves in a bad situation in spite of thinking everything was good.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Well, that's why knowing what questions to ask up front and, and being an educated consumer. I think we're all consumers. We all have to be consumers. But being a consumer and knowing enough to trust yourself to learn what you don't know is super important, especially, you know, for any listeners that are just at the start of their career, it's okay not to know. But it's not okay to know what you don't know and not act with more curiosity, because at the end of the day, you're going to be your person, your best ally. Um, And you know, when you think about Again, what is the intention for that investment? That's one of the key questions that you can ask. Because, for example, if I am saving for you know to open a business or to buy a house in the next two years, that's going to be a very different um, intention for where, where where that money needs to go than if I'm planning for my retirement in thirty years. Completely different. Because if I'm trying to pull money out of my four hundred one k or my you know IRA or my Roth IRA. To do anything else outside of it being like a major life emergency, there's penalties that I'm going to pay for that versus putting that money in a brokerage account or opening a CD that's going to give me, you know, a little bit less of a return, but I'm not going to be penalized for pulling that money out within a specific period of time. So it can be confusing, but just know that there is so much information and, you know, I I try to break it down and make it, you know, as clear as possible as well, because, um, Knowing what you need that money to do and when you need it to do it by is two of the most important things you can ask.
0: So and I think for young people, especially, um, but but perhaps people of all ages, um, for me, one of the most exciting days in my young years as a professional, in, in my early 20s, soon after I got out of college, and in retrospect, one of the worst days of my life was the day that credit card approval thing just showed up in my mailbox. <laughs> it's like you have been approved i was like i didn't even know you knew i was here
1: <laughs> here's, here's I was to find you? somehow they find you
0: call this number and turn it on and you could just do whatever you want and you know i, I fast forward 10 years later and i had 30 some thousand dollars in debt on credit cards and i was paying massive amounts of interest and going how do i get out from under it um and and thankfully found some help in doing that but but um and and, and learned after that to use credit cards sparingly, and 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 I haven't carried a credit card balance for many, many years. But let's talk about that, because I think especially young professionals, for all kinds of reasons, sometimes it's like, you know, just the, hey, I'm new at this, I have to get my kit together, I want to get some great scissors, and, you know, I'm going to go out and spend a couple thousand dollars, and it goes on my credit card. And I perhaps don't understand what debt management is all about. So let's talk about credit and credit cards, and and the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, credit cards are not inherently bad if you are an educated consumer. So if you're able to, you know, build your, actively build your credit, because we also live in a country where you need credit, you need good credit to rent an apartment, you need good credit to a car, you need credit to be able to buy a house, open a business, all of the things. Um, however, and, you know, there's also amazing reward points and everything else that if you can use the advantage, your purchases can go, can take you a long way. However, what they count on is the fact that you're not going to be paying off those balances on a monthly basis. And, you know, if you think about how long, okay, so there's something called the rule of 72. And it's like a basic finance, it's a very elementary finance principle, which is basically how long, it's a simple formula of how long is it going to take your money to double. So 72 is always the same, divided by the percentage of return. So let's say it's 10%. So 72 divided by 10%, your money is going to double every 7.2 years okay so 72 divided by 10 every every uh 10, every 7.2 years your money is going to double okay. this means we're,
0: if I'm, I'm investing my money i'm putting my money I'm
1: somewhere it. yep. if it's yeah for the purpose of this year so yes investing your money however it's how compound interest is quickly calculated however gordon if we're taking that same kind of concept and average credit card rates are what what was the last one you saw
0: I don't really pay attention at 27, 27, Is it
1: twenty-six percent? So you have some that are ranging a low one is considered to be like nineteen point five. So we're going from twenty from you know twenty percent to twenty-six to percent. So if I'm paying just the minimum amount on a credit card and I'm getting 72 divided by 26 right, if I'm getting 75 divided by 20, your money is, that is how quickly your money is going to be doubled of what you're paying back the credit card company. Wow. So So, that that would be
0: three years. 72 divided by 25 is about three.
1: Exactly. And that's why when you see that credit card statement, I mean, there's a little bit more complication of exactly how much you're paying, but if you're the minimum payment, it's roughly that. And so that's why when you look at how long, well, you talked about the example earlier, how long it's going to take that $1,600 to be paid off. And it's like three years and it's $7,000 later. That is why is because when the credit cards are compounding that debt against you, your debt is building additional debt every single month. And it starts to be like quicksand. And so people to, you know, if you've got money in the bank where you can pay it off in two months, and you're like disciplined with it, make the credit card companies or those points your best friends. But if it's something that you're looking at as a um, as a long-term plan, just know that it's going to continuously to bleed you dry and prevent you from your money making money.
0: Wow. Multiple cards. It's so common. I see, you know, I'm, I'll be at Starbucks and I'll see someone look to pull out their credit card and I'll see like 10 of them. They'll be not this one, not this one, not this one. I'm like, you're buying a $5 coffee and you're struggling... And I think, I don't know what the stats are on the average American consumer, but I think collectively, folks have a lot of cards. And I think the more cards people have, the probably the harder it is to manage everything and the more potential for trouble.
1: Well, and what tends to happen, right, is there winds up being so much shame around it. So... The you know right before COVID the the um, average consumer had about sixty eight hundred dollars of credit card debt. It's actually gone up since then of like pure consumer debt. And you know somebody might be thinking like six thousand dollars that's nothing. And to somebody else it's like oh my god six thousand dollars. But when we really look at it, it's um it's it's a subject that's associated with so much shame and so much failure from a consumer standpoint because you feel so helpless because like oh my god I'm never going to get out of this. How am I ever going to be Um, how am I ever going to be on the other side of this? That most people that I talk to, Gordon, actually tell me, it's so overwhelming, I don't even want to think about it. I'm just going to keep paying the minimum payment and I don't even want to address it. And that's when they get you in the long term. And then you're basically their cash cow for years and years and years. And so what I would say is that if you are struggling with credit card debt, please know you are not alone. This is a way of life in the US and with the cost of inflation as well, How quickly we get into deep debt has sped up so much because everything, the dollar goes so much less than it did in years, uh, in previous years. It really becomes a much quicker spiral and a much, you know, much more of a vicious cycle of, and plus now it's more expensive to borrow money. So you have a higher cost of goods and you have a higher um, interest rate. So we're getting into a steeper hole much quicker than we did before. And the reality is, is that the sooner that you're able to, you know, kind of face the music and create a plan, the, the quicker you will get out of it because there is a way out. Um, but our personal shame and our personal mindset and emotions are what limits us more than anything else when it comes to getting out of debt.
0: I love that. And the best advice I ever got was to do everything I could to not carry credit card balances. And in fact, my own way of handling credit card at this point in my life is that I, I do have a, a, a miles card with an airline. I I only fly I do fly a lot for my my living. And so I rack up a lot of miles and Everything I buy pretty much gives me miles, and I get a lot of free trips every year that I gift to family and friends sometimes and use for myself. but I pay off my balance every single month without fail a hundred percent. I never have a balance. I actually pay it off before the end of the month, and that serves me well. It may not serve everybody well, but I, I feel good because I'm getting, on the one hand, the points and what that does for me, they do have a service fee, which I think is important to tell people that annual fee, but it's I, I in my head, rationalize it. And I think I'm in a good place. What would you say?
1: Uh, listen, you're doing great because you're able to work the system, but realistically what you're getting off of those points, you just said you get trips for yourself, for your family, for, you know, you have a big enough incentive where the incentive far out uh, paces the the cost of what you're doing from you know from an annual credit card fee standpoint. So if you're able to leverage your spending to have greater benefits, fantastic. However, if you're going to be you know personally funding the the CEO's summer vacation off of your interest dollars, that's probably not working for you very. Much.
0: That would be that would be a problem. Investing that's confusing, and I I want to kind of connect the dots between investing and retirement. I know they're not completely connected. But I also, um, again, speaking with young people or people who are starting off their career, oh my gosh, if I had one piece of financial advice for myself beyond paying off my credit cards, it would have been to save that $6 a day. (laughs) So every single day since I graduated from college and never would have stopped, I wish I had known. So to young people who are listening, pay attention to this part of the conversation because it's important and there's such an opportunity.
1: It's such an opportunity. And so, you know, money, the, the we say time is money, right? And a lot of times in our industry, it's like, well, yes, I need to charge for my time. And yes, while that saying is true, the more important factor about time is money is how long you invest for is so much more important than how much you invest, right? So again, with money, growing money, with compounding interest, the longer that you can give that money to grow, the more fruitful you will be. And so when you think about investments, I mean... It's things that you're buying along the way. So if you want to have, you know, if I'm like, okay, I am starting with absolutely zero. And if I'm in my 20s, where do I start? I would say the first and most basic thing that you can do that is available to everybody. And it takes just a few minutes to set up is your emergency fund, any sort of a savings account should live in a high yield savings account without a question of a doubt. Right now you can get anywhere from, you know, four to seven to like 5.1% on your money of just sitting there and you can have easy access to that money. There's no penalties to pull it out. It's literally like an, an elevated savings account, high yield savings account, right? Um, then it's, I need to set myself up. So that money I can have for emergency funds. If I am, you know, right now the rates are really good. So if I'm planning to buy a house, if I'm planning to open a business, that where that money that's where that money needs to live. If I want to really set myself up for retirement and if I am not employed by an organization that offers a 401k, then I would look at either opening a Roth IRA or an IRA, depending on when it is that you want to pay money on your taxes. So individual retirement account is you're going to pay taxes on it later when you're cashing it out. Anything that has Roth in front of it, you're basically paying taxes on it now, but it's going to grow for you tax free, which is, you know, kind of say Roth is king. So if it's something you can take advantage of it, listen, if you're in your 20s and, you know, one of the apps that I love to use is called the compounder. And literally, can you know, it's I think it's a free app. You can download it and say, Oh, you can look online, of like, you know, comp or uh, you know, uh, retirement predictions or retirement calculator. And if you're in your 20s and if you're saving, you know, even a hundred dollars a month, what will that look like for you in 20 years, 30 years? You will be astonished at what that money will grow into. So then it's okay, long-term investments, I want to set it and forget it. What can I commit to? It's you don't have to say, spend you know thousands of dollars, right? You can do seven thousand dollars a year. That's the max, and you're good to go. Then when we're looking at, okay, what about um, I want to invest in the stock market, for example, right? which is you know some again, that tends to be kind of like the ooh, the most exciting tool of them all. You know, invest with look at look at opening a, a brokerage account. So one of the ones that actually is, really underrated that I love for instant kind of an easy investing is acorns not sponsored obviously but an acorns account you can actually set it up to where any of the purchases that you do with your debit card or your or your credit card if you're using a credit card it can be rounded up and it's going to go into your investment account into your brokerage account and at the end of the month you can automate it where you're buying shares of the s&p 500 or of another index. I always recommend, you know, buying an index fund um, because it's basically, you know, it's kind of has foolproof protection built in there. Like if it's a large collection of companies that make up that index. Right. So it's like in the U.S. or in the global, depending on which one you're going into. And it has like self some self-protection built in, but you can set it and forget it. And with a brokerage account you can pull that money out anytime you want, again, without having to pay large penalties. You will have to pay taxes on those investments. So if you can keep it in there longer than a year, then your tax rate is gonna be a lot better. But that's a really interesting way of, again, just setting and forgetting it. So instead of buying, you know, the next pair of shoes, which listen, I love me, you know, some good quality shoes. However, I'm also looking at like, okay, I want some, you know, Apple and some Ulta Beauty stock and some, you know, whatever Delta and everything else. Like I want to have a little bit of that every single month as well. And I think once we start to kind of change our mindset around what am I actually buying with my money? And when you start to think about like, huh, okay, I can buy portions of companies with my money versus just buying myself extra cups of coffee, right? You start to really get a bit more curious and you start to get to think about money and what you're spending it on a lot differently.
0: And I think important to say about this is, is, is that this diversification, right, of how you're investing your money by by way of, a, of an instrument that, that does that, right? It's diversified. Um, it offers you protection. You know, we we watched on, on the we see on the news sometimes, you know, the, the little chart of the stock market going up, 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 up over time. You know, you look at over 20 or so years. And that's pretty much what it has done. It has performed pretty darn good over the course of time. You look at, you know, some of the more well-known stocks individually, and they have their ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. And and that's like putting your money on, going to Vegas and putting all your money on the red and crossing your fingers.
1: The stock market is considered to be the riskiest investment because, you know, well, a CEO does something that makes the news and the stock value literally drops, right? So that's panic and everything else. And so when you're looking at, again, following an index, it has built-in protection on it. So if one company is underperforming, either A, somebody's because it's limited to like, let's say 500 or 50 or whatever it is, depending on the index. It's a self-regulating system where if one's not performing, they're not going to be in the index or something else will be offsetting the losses. So um, diversification is super, super important. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, as they say.
0: That is, that, that is good advice. Um, all right. So we've covered a lot of the fundamentals. Have we missed anything that's big in this kind of basics that that we really need to to mention before we move on to another topic?
1: Uh, We talked about it briefly, but I would just say get very comfortable with the mindset that you have around money. Because if I was to ask most people in the industry, like, I am blank with money what is that for you? Is it, I'm great with money. I'm terrible with money. I'm scared of money, right? And and really watch the way that you speak to yourself in relation to that topic. Because, you know, if I am, if I ask you, you know, I am terrified of water. I'm not going to want to book a vacation to Hawaii to go swim in the ocean, right? And so how we how we um, internally talk to ourselves about our relationship with money has a huge impact on what we actually do with it and the actions that we take. So I would say before you do anything else is get comfortable with your mindset around it.
0: We always talk about best advice here. So I want to kind of keep it in the financial lane because anybody who's listening is going, oh, I I got some work to do. Like I I really want to take this information that Anna has given me and and, and begin to set myself on perhaps a little bit of a different path so for someone who's kind of in that mindset in the moment they don't have an accountant they don't really have a lot of resources they have curiosity and you've helped peak that um they want to take some next steps i know depending on their circumstances it might be a varied way you know different people might approach it but let's take talk about some best advice generally for that kind of person
1: yeah Don't get lost in what you don't know. So, you know, no one knows everything all the time. I would say, whether you're looking at even opening a high yield savings account, whether you're looking at, okay, what do I even, how do I get out of credit card debt? Know the questions you need to have answers to. So for example, again, what is my intention for this investment? When will I need to use this money? what is my monthly obligation for, you know, for this investment, whether it's an insurance policy, whether it's a dead payoff, right? And be crystal clear with that. When it comes to any sort of, um, you know, investment or insurances, how risky is this? And what does this cover? And what does this not cover, especially when it comes to the world of insurance. So my number one advice is, be an educated consumer, you are going to, and your career working very hard for your money right this is one of the you know even though what we do is often very glamorous and it's very fun and it's very emotionally fulfilling and all the things it is hard work it's physically demanding it is mentally challenging it is it is it, it it is it is definitely a physically um physically challenging career and again while we do it with pleasure and with love and with passion the reality is, is that we don't do it for free, and we have to take care of ourselves financially in the process. And so, become an educated consumer. It's okay that you don't know everything, but be crystal clear with what you need to have answers to before making any sort of an investment or before make you know putting your money anywhere. You work too hard for your money for it not to work for you.
0: And when it is working for you, to your to so much to your points, you typically can find yourself in healthier. You can find yourself mentally stronger. You can find yourself feeling more secure in pretty much every part of your life. Like financial security is like such an important part of getting through this life and getting through this career.
1: It really is. I mean, if we take it back to, you know, even, you know, I think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the fundamental needs for, 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 your, you know, house, for your foods, for your sense of security. Like when you think about even, you know, doing a budget of your wants and needs. Everything that is a need that comes out of your bank account takes care of those fundamental needs from just a human existence standpoint. And so, you know, before we can start to think about, you know, the, the fancy investments and everything else, make sure that your needs are taken care of and that you're budgeting accordingly so that you are, you have not only, you know, financial stability, but that you have mental safety, you have physical safety um, and peace of mind that. You're not worried about where food's going to come from next month, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, thinking about your career and thinking about just big picture stuff, um, again, so important to consider all the different opportunities that any employer may have for you. Thinking about Ulta, and again, there's so many great employers in this industry. But the fact that Anna is at Ulta... Which means I am sure there's some financial advice that is flowing around the organization and many of the educational classes you guys do. I mean, that, that's one more asset on, on the, the list of, of benefits I, I think that one can expect working with Alta. So kudos to Alta for having Anna.
1: Thank you very much. No, it's the, definitely a highlight of my career. And, you know, uh, not to do a, a shameless plug on the education that we offer at Ulta too, but we teach over 5,000 classes a year. And as a stylist at Ulta Beauty, you actually get paid to attend education. Ooh. So, you know, when we say the possibilities are beautiful, there's a lot of possibilities that are pretty incredible.
0: I love it. And show season, we're in show season and and really Ulta has made a mark on the industry, showing up at beauty shows in a way that no other employer in the industry ever has. You know, um, kudos to Nick Stenson, who kind of leads the entire team at Alta. But I'm telling you, I, 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 it just wouldn't be a, a big beauty show for me if I didn't see that that beautiful Alta booth on the floor.
1: Exactly. No, we uh, we definitely have a good time, and we uh, like to make an impact and really showcase what the possibilities are because this industry's too good, um, too good now to. I
0: love it. So Anna, thank you. Once again for being back here with us. Uh, you know tell folks to go back and listen to episode number twenty five, but tell people where they can follow you, where they can find you, um, where they can connect with you on social media, online, anywhere and everywhere.
1: Absolutely. So what I have to say that I'm really excited about is, you know if you want to continue to learn, um, you can download my ebook that just launched and you can do so at the uh, www.beautifulwealth.com forward slash get started and you can get your copy. I offer so much financial education. You clearly know that this is something I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, and then you can find me on, you know, on the gram right at A. Mnuchian. Um I showcase not only, you know, financial um, education, but all of the just industry, beautiful things that I have the pleasure of participating in. And I definitely hope to see you
0: beautifulwealth.com forward slash get started i got it right i'm going to go there as soon as we get finished i knew you were getting that book out but i didn't realize it was available i can't wait to read it so let me say a very big thank you to the senior director of education and creative for ulta beauty five thousand classes a year oh my god what a big responsibility Anna is one of the industry's most passionate financial gurus. Um, thanks again to Anna Manukian for being our guest today. If you like what you heard, I encourage you to leave a rating and a review. Hit the subscribe button. Best yet, share this episode with a colleague. Pay it forward. Help others to find the podcast. Be sure to follow BeautyCast over on Instagram at BeautyCast Network. Over on Facebook, we are BeautyCast. This has been the Mastering Beauty Podcast from BeautyCast Network. And um, be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes. Anna, thank you once again for being here with us.
1: Gordon, you're amazing. Thank you so much for everything you do. And thank you so much for having me back.
0: All right. And I am Gordon Miller. I'll be back with an all new episode next time.